Hello, everybody. You are listening to Limited Playtime, the board game podcast where we bring you board game reviews in 30 minutes or less. Or the next episode is free. I'm Kyle Bolin. And I'm Jason Cavallari. And today, I'm going to start with some errata. Errata? Yes. Uh, Before we get into the game of the day, uh, last week we covered Unmatched, and I was just like, I was just like on the tip of my brain, I knew there was a game that I was trying to compare Unmatched to in my mind, and it finally occurred to me what I believe is like the closest analog to Unmatched, when we were kind of talking about like categorically, like how does it compare with its, its contemporaries and everything, and we were having a hard time coming up with anything really concrete or anything like that really matched, and then it occurred to me that it's Mage Wars. Oh. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, like you've got like, you know, one fighter uh, per person. You might have like, you know, a couple little sidekicks if like say you're the beast master or a summoner or whatever, right? And then mm-hmm. you've got like a whole hand of cards that you get to play, you know, certain spells out of or, you know, like have certain effects and everything. It's just that I think in Mage Wars it's like a lot more complicated, not in a bad way, but yeah, there's just a lot can, more going on. You have the ability to create your own deck. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, I just thought that I would mention that, that I think compared to Mage Wars, I think that the point still stands. It's a much simpler, faster uh, game to set up and teach and everything, um, and it's still very, very satisfying. Uh, I think Mage Wars is what you get into if you want a nittier, grittier system. And, and Oh, that, yeah, for sure. That is also fun. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, anyway, today uh, we are, you might be asking yourself, Jason, Kyle, why are you posting not on a Sunday. Why are you posting on, what is today, Tuesday? It might be up tonight. It might be up on Wednesday. Either way, it's totally early. And the answer to your question is that today we are going to do an episode on Batman, Gotham City Chronicles. And normally we wouldn't really care about, you know, releasing early for any particular reason, except that the pledge manager for Gotham City Chronicles, Batman Gotham City Chronicles, is closing this weekend. So we wanted to get this episode out as soon as we can, just in case. We happen to talk to somebody out there who's up on the fence on the Batman game, and this happens to push you down one way or the other. So we wanted to get it out there so that this episode might be of some use to somebody uh, in the immediate future, and if not, then you can just kind of like put this knowledge in your in your in your brain and hold on to it for you know like six months or however long it takes for them to get to the uh, the point where they've they've run the game off the printers and they've got it up on their their store or whatever. Because I think in the future they are going to just sell this on their own on the Monolith store. So you'll have other opportunities to buy this game, but. Right now, we you have it. We like to feel like we have this influence over people. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm going to uh, believe. I'm, I'm going to say a little prayer to myself as I go to sleep tonight about <laughs> how I do. Okay, so Batman Gotham City Chronicles. We talked a little bit about it on one of our Gen Con episodes. We're going to do a little deeper dive here. Uh, Gotham City Chronicles is published by Monolith. It is designed by Frederic Henry. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's French, so I probably pronounced it a little mm-hmm. bit poorly. But art is by Georges Clarenco. David Demaray, David Finch, and Jim Lee, who I believe are DC artists. Well, I know Jim Lee is. I'm pretty sure David Finch is as well. DC artists. So there's a Wait, lot did of. Jim, um, did Jim Lee do new art for this? I don't think so. Or I'm is guessing it just they just. I'm guessing there's a bunch of repurposed art that they've used, like in the book, like the oh, instruction okay. booklet, things like that. But I think that all the new art. Um, I think David Finch did some illustrations for this game specifically, not Jim Lee. Uh, but then I'm pretty sure, like, all the other art, like, you know, that isn't necessarily, like, you know, uh, you need a Batman artist to do this was by the other two guys. So. Mm, okay. Yeah. Uh, so we kind of explained what Batman is. Batman is basically, you know what? I want to talk about what Batman is not at first, okay? Just to make sure that everybody's clear on this. Because you might be wondering, like, you know, oh, I want to do the cool Batman campaign game. Uh, this is not a campaign-style game. It's not a full-on beat-the-other-side-up-before-they-beat-you-up game. 
It is a scenario-based game where there's no real connection between the scenarios, and it's a game that I think kind of lies in an intersection of sort of a puzzly sort of game, and then a game that relies on a lot of dice luck, right? Like, there's some mm. sort of Venn diagram between those two things. A very random game, and a sort of puzzly game, and this game lies somewhere in the middle there. Hmm. That's my impression, anyway. Uh, so, uh, full disclosure, I've played this game once, um, and... Just from that one play, I kind of see where Kyle's coming from with that description. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because, so Phil and I uh, played as Batman and Nightwing, and uh, and Kyle played the bad guys. Um, and we had a hard time, Phil and I had a hard time sort of wrapping our brain around the fact that, like, if we stop to fight every single dude that's on the board, we're not going to win. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we have to figure out what our abilities do, you know, what kinds of appropriate equipment we can gather, uh, in order to make the scenario work so that we can get the objective, uh, managed. Yeah. Each scenario gives you a very specific objective that you need to complete and it's almost never defeat a bad guy. Right. It's, yeah. it's almost always like hack this many computers or hack this computer that then gives you the code to unlock this safe and then get into that safe and get the thing out and then get to the escape route, which is what you guys had to do. Right. Yeah. And the thing is that the like the codes had to be entered in two separate rooms simultaneously. Yeah. Yeah. So one of us had to be in one room and one of us had to be in the other room, which were somewhat far away from each other at the same time in order to unlock this thing. <laughs> yeah. And so it becomes this very puzzly game about managing your resources, managing your energy, uh, managing any sort of like disposable items that you might have in a way that is all in service of getting those goals completed. And only if defeating the bad guys is going to make that a more expedient, you know, like energy efficient thing to do, is it really worth doing? Or if, you know, you know you're totally going to get killed or whatever, if they happen, if there's like, you know, like, like if you don't take out a certain bad guy or a certain number of bad guys or something like that. Um, but if you just go out of your way to say, eh, it might be helpful to knock this guy out. If you're just doing that without any consideration, it's probably a bad choice. <laughs> Which in some ways is really disappointing. Cause like, you know, that's kind of what I want Batman to do. I want him to go and punch dudes out. Yeah. Batman just wants to undiscriminately beat up criminals. And <laughs> so do you. <laughs> and so do I. Yeah. That'll probably be, if they ever make a daredevil game, that should definitely be how it gets played. Um, <laughs> Batman's maybe a little bit more considered than Daredevil, but Daredevil's definitely all about the beating up the bad guys. <laughs> Vigilantism and everything. Vigilante, yeah, mm. yeah, different shades of vigilante. Yeah. Anyway, so with Batman, do we want to talk about how you play Batman a little bit? It's very dice-driven. It's energy-driven. Every character on the, the hero side has a certain number of energy cubes, uh, and you spend an energy cube to do just about anything in the game. Um, every character has, like, a certain set amount of movement points that they can use, and, you know, certain types of moves take more movement points than just, like, moving from one one space to another. So, like, you know, it takes more movement to, like, climb a thing or, you know, like, jump down off of a thing. Uh, but in, in, in if that's the case and you use up all your initial movement, you can spend energy cubes. If you want to punch somebody, you spend an energy cube. If you want to punch somebody really hard, maybe you spend three energy cubes all at once. Because every cube of energy that you spend for something that requires dice rolling, like attacking, hacking a computer, convincing somebody to let a hostage go, whatever, right? It all requires energy, and every energy cube that you spend equates to one die rolled. And the die that you roll is dictated by your character sheet. Your character sheet tells you what kind of dice you roll for every type, every type of skill in the game. So, like, you know, like ranged combat, melee combat, defensive rolls, 
what else? Oh yeah, like um, thought exercises oh, yeah. and um, <laughs> com- and, and manipulation, right? Like you know, like being able to you know uh, reach into a safe and, and pull something out without like tripping a wire or whatever, testing right? Testing your fine motor skills. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. Um, every every one of those things has a die attached to it for every character, and then in addition to that, all the characters have a number of skills that then like modify those those abilities or give you other like special actions that you can do. So like um, I think like Batman has martial arts. A lot of them have martial arts which basically just gives you like uh an additional hit whenever you get through defenses and manage to land a hit right or if uh you have a character that has like you know say like mr freeze or something like that he might have like you know an ice grenade you can throw or something like that right and if that's the case then you've got to cross-reference the all the skill sheet that tells you what all those skills do and that's where this game that's one of the places where this game starts to get a little muddy yeah, that's a pretty intimidating. Like I, so Kyle was the one doing all the interpreting of this stuff for us because you know Phil and I didn't really know what we were doing, but uh, we looked at the the sheet and it's pretty intimidating. And the thing is, is I gave you guys cheat sheets that I made. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um, the the back of the rule book has like four pages of like these skills, these little like symbolic skills that like are basically like very like like you know two or three sentences per skill. They're not so simple that just glancing at a thing is going to be enough to tell you what it does. Uh, actually printing off, like, you know, uh, the, the cheat sheets that somebody put up on BoardGameGeek was almost necessary to play this game, okay? Keep that in mind when we talk about this game, is that it was necessary to play this game to go online and print out cheat sheets for this game. In addition to that, besides that usability nightmare, the rulebook itself is kind of over-explanatory about certain things to the point where you start to get a little confused about whether you're missing something or not. Um, And then there are other things that it's just really not very clear on and you don't even realize it's not clear until you wind up in a very specific situation and don't know what to do. And then you can't find the rule in the rule book because it's like, it's just weirdly laid out. Um, so the rule book to me was not a great rule book. The, the fact that it did not come with any sort of like player aids already printed off in a nice, you know, professional way was also like a big negative to, in my mind for this game, because this is a, this is an expensive game. Um, yeah. Well, I, and it's not like those little symbols are something that like, if you overlook them, like whatever, like, yeah. they're pretty integral to the game. Yeah. They're extremely integral to the game. And, and this is a $145 game. If you're going to go on and like, you know, do the conversion from euros to dollars and everything right now, that's what it's going for. And for $145, you should be getting some cheat sheets. <laughs> At the very least, we demand cheat sheets. Yeah, I mean, I had to go to Kinko's or FedEx office or whatever and do this myself, and I made some very nice ones there. But it should not have been the the onus should not be put on the player to make this game playable when you're spending that much money to to play it. Um, right. So that's to me the number one biggest complaint I have about this game is just getting it up and getting it running is kind of a pain in the butt. But once you get it up and running, it's actually not that complex. Like, once you figure it out, it's not the sort of game that you're constantly going back and referencing the rulebook for, like, certain rules. Because it pretty much all makes sense. And it makes sense in a, in a, in a way that makes common sense. So it, it's not the sort of thing that I feel like I'm usually confused on, on a ruling. I don't feel like we were referencing the book all that often when we were playing our scenario at Gen Con. I don't think so, no. I think I looked up maybe, like, one rule or something like that, right? Just to clarify yeah. how, like, a grenade throw or something like that worked. Um, but other than that, like, it's it's pretty straightforward. And... and I think we were playing it. We, we we didn't really have a lot of downtime while we were playing it. So once you get going and if you print off those player aids, you can play this game. And at that point, is it fun? What do you think, Jason? Um, yeah, I mean, to a, I, I, I didn't really start having fun with it until the end, essentially. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and mostly I think that it had to do with like managing my expectation of what it was going to be um, with the actual experience of what it is. Yeah. Um, so like initially I was, uh, I want to say sort of disappointed because I was playing as Batman and I was like, yeah, this is going to be awesome. Uh, you know, Batman, get in there, throw some punches, like do some cool shit. And it's not really like that. Um, now, uh, Phil's character, Nightwing was kind of like that. <laughs> yeah. Nightwing's a beast. Yeah. Which I think is interesting. Like all, you know, if I don't, granted I've only had experience with these two heroes, but, uh, you know, I'm fairly certain that like all of them have you know, strengths and weaknesses. They do. That, you know, add some individual flavor to the characters. So my uh, my disappointment probably came from me not necessarily knowing what the particular flavor of Batman as a character in this game was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one thing. Um, but towards the end, when I started to get it, you know, and, and saw it, as you described it, it was like sort of a puzzle, like, oh, you know, we have to make it so that we can get in position to do this thing and be able to extract ourselves expediently. And trying to figure that out was actually really challenging and also fun. Um, yeah. Granted, at the end, we didn't we didn't make it. I like we got the thing, but we couldn't get ourselves. We couldn't escape the scenario. It was one of those um, things where like you guys were so close, right? Yeah, like, but we like, were very close, and that's the thing that was sort of like fun for me. A couple of different decisions made during that game that would have given you, like, you know, one step or two closer to the goal that you needed to be at. That's all it would have taken, right? Yeah. Um, and, and so just, like, you know, one or two other die rolls that went one way or another, or just a couple extra, a couple different decisions you could have made, either with the gear you guys chose going into the mission, or mm-hmm. just with what you decided to do during the mission, right? Like, any one yeah. of those things could have made the difference between a win and a loss. So mm-hmm. it was like it was mm-hmm. like a razor's edge in terms of, like, you know, whether or not you were going to lose or win that game. Yeah, and I like that. Like, I, I like, you know, if I'm going to lose a game, I want it to be close. I don't want it to be, like, a total, uh, you know, devastating loss. Mm-hmm. So that was that was good for me. Yeah. Um, I was a little, I mean, I didn't play the, uh, the, the bad guys like you did, um, but um, I was a little underwhelmed by the particular bad guy that was in our scenario. You mean the, uh, the main villain? Yeah, it was Scarecrow. Yeah. Um, and it may only be because, like, Scarecrow is my favorite, like, Batman rogue or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe I didn't, you know, and also because I wasn't playing him, like, I didn't really get it. But, like, he seemed, as a villain, underwhelming in this particular scenario. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I've kind of felt like playing these villains, none of them really, it doesn't ever really feel like you're playing a villain that is, like, a toe-to-toe match for Batman, necessarily. Uh, mm-hmm. it often feels like you're playing a bunch of roadblocks, you know, like you're just kind of moving speed bumps around in order to try to slow the heroes down enough so that they run out of time, mm-hmm. uh, while trying to achieve their goals. A lot of scenarios feel like that from the bad guy's perspective. Uh, occasionally they'll give the bad guys their own objectives to complete. Like they, like you guys had active objectives to go after Yeah, and, and sometimes they'll, they'll put that into a mission and that can make things a little bit more interesting because then you've got to decide like, like with Bane, right? Like Bane is smart, right? And Bane is really strong. Bane's kind of like Batman. And so like, you know, in a Bane mission, I might be moving him around trying to like, you know, activate these bombs and his minions may not be able to do that. So it might come down to like, you know, one group of minions and Bane are the only ones that can really achieve the goal. And, and that's kind of an interesting thing to do, but it never really feels like it's kind of like the flip side of what you're talking about or just like a mirror of what you're talking about with Batman is that you never really feel like you're doing exactly what you imagine that character doing, right? You're maybe doing what 
that character might actually do in most of the comics, right? But you're never getting into that big, awesome splash page at the end of one comic where Bane is breaking Batman over his knee or anything like that, right? Right, yeah. Um, you, you rarely have those kind of moments that feel like the big, awesome comic book, like, you know, like, famous moments. But you have a lot of the, like, you know, the 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 page-by-page regular moments in a comic book where people are sneaking and people are like, you know, like hacking and people are, you know, taking out a couple of like goons or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So it feels like you're getting the the run of the mill comic book action in this game, but very seldom are you getting like the really exciting, cool comic book action that you imagine doing with this sort of a game. Yeah. Um, and I, and again, I think that goes to sort of the, uh, the disconnect I had sort of between expectation and execution. Yeah, you know, I expected it to be more of the big splash page and yeah. less of the absolutely. Hey, let's, let's figure this out, yeah. kind of thing. I think everybody did. I think that that's one thing that I think a lot of people have been a little bit, a little underwhelmed by. But then when you get down to it, what is there? The puzzle part, you know, like the the puzzly game that actually does exist, mm-hmm. is actually still quite fun. You yeah. like you said though, you just have to temper your expectations to that, and then if you can, if you can, you know, like invest yourself in that, there's a good time to be had for sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, if I were to play it again, I think going in with the right expectations or the right understanding of what the game is would enhance my experience of it. Yeah. Um, we played we played one scenario with, um, you know, one, one of the, the gaming couples that my wife and I play with. And I was playing the bad guys again. And they basically had to, like, you know, protect Catwoman as she, like, you know, bounced around between these, like, different areas that she had to, like, manipulate. I don't know, like. I don't know, computers or locks or something like that, right? And Mm. the thing is, is like, you know, if there are bad guys in the same room as somebody that's trying to do something like that, they count against you, right? Like, you have to roll higher dice or, you know, like, more successes on the dice in order to succeed at these things. And, like, we figured out, like, halfway through that Batman could use his bat claw, which can, like, basically, like, snatch bad guys and, like, pull them to him. And so, mm-hmm. and so, um, you know, one, one of the people we were playing with, she kept using the bat claw to basically just, like, snag bad guys that were trying to slow down Catwoman and just kept pulling them out of the room, right? And we got <laughs> to the point at the end of the game where, like, okay, Catwoman just needs to make it, like, you know, this many spaces. And it's like, she's going to be one space short. And then we had this moment where it was like, wait a minute is there any rule that says she can't use the bat claw on Catwoman? And we were like, <laughs> well, holy shit, there's not. And so she got to like, and so there's this like nice, like sort of epiphany moment where Batman like snatched Catwoman with the bat claw. And then Catwoman was able to scamper over to where she needed to be and win the game, you know, like again, <laughs> on the sort of like razor's edge margin of error, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, so there's, there can be really cool moments in this game, but they're never exactly what you imagine. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I think like that, there are moments like that in comic books too, where it's like, "Oh, I didn't expect that to happen," but mm-hmm. when it does, it's like sometimes it's it's really silly, but also kind of awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk about a couple other things. Uh, the game looks really good. Uh, the miniatures are phenomenal. Um, they're not quite as good as the 3D renders they showed during the Kickstarter, but they're really good. And if you're the kind of person that likes to paint then this is like, you know, kind of a dream come true if you are also a Batman fan. Um, I've really enjoyed painting a bunch of the, of the figures. I've kind of started with the heroes and the goons. I haven't really started on any of the villains yet, but I've had a really great time painting the figures. My wife's painted some of them. We've both really enjoyed that. Um, so they look great. The boards, um, it comes with two boards in the base game, and they're double-sided, so you basically get like sort of four maps. Um, but they're big, chunky, huge boards. They're really nice, really well illustrated. Um, yeah. But again, sort of like a usability thing. They have like line of sight rules that are a little fuzzy and a little unclear. They have like these little points, these little dots on the maps with like letters around them that are supposed to allow you to easily see like which other points have line of sight to those points. But there are like additional points that 
do have line of sight to those things that are not listed. So it's like an unexhaustive, like, sort of list of letters to tell you, like, which points <laughs> on the board are, like, legal line of sight um, areas. Uh, they've they've made a, a tool online, like, through the web that you can get online and you can actually use their line of sight tool now through their website. But, like, again, you have to go to the internet now to do something that the game should have just been able to do right out of the box without any confusion. Like, that's one more sort of point against the game, I think. Um um, I mean, that said, like, the the board that we played with looked great. It was, like, a yeah. chemical factory or something. Yeah, and, yeah the art is like, phenomenal. The, yeah, there were, like, these big vats of, like, green mm-hmm. stuff and, like, you know, uh, scaffolding and all kinds mm-hmm. of it was. It looked really cool. It's super evocative of what's going on. It's super evocative of the environment. Um, you know, like if you're up on a on a on an elevated area, you feel like you're up in an elevated area when you're looking at the board. Uh, but then again, like you know, the elevation rules also are kind of confusing until you get used to them. Uh, the easiest oh, thing yeah. I think is to just make sure that you've got like you know a grappling hook and good parkour <laughs> skill, and then you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, by the end of that game, I still I still don't think I understood the rules <laughs> for elevation. <laughs> um. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. So you know, there's a couple things. You know, like the rules are are a little fuzzy. But once you get over that, there is a fun game to be had there. But again, it's 150 dollars or 145 or so. So you've definitely got to look at this as a it's a boutique item for somebody that's a huge Batman fan and also wants a decent board game. And also, I think that the thing that you got to realize is this is the comic book Batman property. Nothing in this game comes from the movies or the TV shows or any other sort of like video games or anything like that. You're not going to find like the Arkham Knight Batman in here from the video game. Uh, mm. It's all different versions of the comic book property. So if that's a turnoff for you, then keep that in mind. If you are a huge fan of the Batman comics, and you're a huge board game guy and or girl and $150 is the amount that you know you're willing to spend on a real nice produced board game with decent rules then maybe this is for you if you're anyone else uh i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i mean if you like minis like i i would go i'd do it it's pretty cool. The minis are really good. Yeah. yeah so yeah, if you're good. if you're a huge mini person, then you know maybe this is this is enough, right? For 150 bucks, you there are games out there that have costed 150 dollars that have minis of you know like a more boring groups of minis, right? Like I think about like you know spending 150 dollars on Zombicide Black Plague, and it's you get a ton of stuff, but I don't feel like any one mini in Zombicide Black Plague was as cool as like the Batman mini in this Batman game, or like you know the Killer Croc <laughs> mini in this game, or anything like that, right? So yeah. like yeah yeah the minis are great. The game is good. It may not be what you're expecting, but it is good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's 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 an expensive thing. So you you've definitely got to know that you're you're getting a a boutique level item. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I don't really regret buying it. I'm not going to purchase any more of it. There's enough content in the base game that I don't feel like you need to spend more than 150 dollars on this game. There's like, oh gosh, there's like two big expansions that came with the first Kickstarter, and now that they're in late pledge manager mode for the season two stuff, there's a bunch of other smaller expansions, and then also in addition to that, there's like a 1v1 set of rules that allows you to basically just sort of like draft an army, essentially, and then mm. just go like head-to-head with somebody. I haven't played that. I've heard some people say that they like the rules, but for my money, I'd rather just invest that money into a game that's designed around that sort of a, that sort of a, a rule set, you know, mm. um, like like mythic battles pantheon or something like yeah, that right yeah, yeah. yeah um so you know but, but like if you're looking for a scenario based game and you like batman and 150 dollars mm-hmm. isn't too much for you then you know this is pretty cool speaking of i just got a mythic battles pantheon expansion today in the mail. oh nice mm. yeah cool I'm, I'm keeping my eye out for the ragnarok kickstarter down the road yeah so this so the thing i got today was actually a um 
it was an add-on for the for the uh i think it was like maybe the second edition of the game or something like that mm-hmm. where the one where they they put that one expansion that's for the upcoming ragnarok one on um because it's they offered this uh uh god faction that i didn't have so i now have dionysus <laughs> cool yeah Okay, so um, I am going to put a link in our show notes uh, on how to get to the the late pledge manager if you are interested in looking at this game and deciding whether or not you want to throw a bunch of money at them. Uh, We'll also have some pictures on the website at limitedplaytime.com. And if you would like to get a hold of us and tell us which Batman property you think they should do for Season 3, and it's obviously Adam West, how would they do so, (laughs) Jason? Uh, Okay, well... (laughs) If you want to, you know, cast your vote for uh, some 60s schlock. Zock us uh, with the email. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, you can email us. It's podcast at limitedplaytime.com. You can go to the website, limitedplaytime.com. You can Twitter, Twitter, you can tweet us <laughs> at limitedplaytime. And you can go to the Instagram at limitedplaytimepodcast. You can titter us. Um... You can titter, titter at us. So this is going up probably, you know, like Tuesday night, Wednesday night. Uh, so it's going to be about a week and a half before our next episode. Uh, it'll be a week from this coming Sunday, and we will be talking about Villainous, the Disney-themed worker placement game, action kind of. selection game. It's like Scythe with with Disney characters. It is like Scythe with Disney characters. Yeah, it's a more deck-driven Scythe. Uh, yeah. So that's another thing we played at at the Gen Con in the Hot Games room. <laughs> so we're going to be going over that and telling you what we think of Villainous, which is actually, I'm seeing a lot of talk about that game on the internet right now, I think, because they had a new expansion. Yeah, they just had a new expansion. Now. Yeah, so it's it's kind of hot right now for real. Yeah, uh, and totally. so we'll be going over that, and we will see you in one and a half weeks. Thanks Later. for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye.